I am Jimbo Paris, and you are listening to the Jimbo Paris Show. Hello, everyone. How's it going? This is the Jimbo Paris Show, and today we have somebody named Teresa Reed. She's a full-time tarot card reader that's been working for about 30 years. How's it going, Teresa? Hey, it's going, it's going great, Jimbo. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. So can you begin by giving me sort of a brief summary about yourself, who you are, what you're about, and kind of what your message is? My name is Teresa Reed. I'm known as the Tarot Lady. I am the author of many books, including the upcoming Tarot for Kids deck. I've been reading tarot since I've been a teenager, which was quite a long time ago, and reading professionally for about 30 years. I've recently moved more into the teaching and writing sphere uh, because that's what I'm drawn to do. And, you know, in addition to tarot, I love to cook. I am a food fanatic, and I'm also a music fanatic. I love music. So if I'm not reading tarot cards or studying astrology or in front of the computer writing, you'll probably find me in the kitchen cooking and jamming to some very good tunes. So how do you combine music with your love of spirituality? Well, music is spiritual. I mean, when you think about it, I think musicians are magicians. I think they're, I, I love the way their minds work. I love how they process music, how they come up with ideas. I find music to be utterly fascinating. And the way it's created is to me pure magic. I don't know how they do it, you know, because I'm not a musician. And I find also that there are songs that really resonate with us, that tell stories that that we can relate to. And I also find that in every area of my life, there always seems to be a soundtrack that's running. I like to say I get what's called musical oracles where I'll hear a song and there's something in it that will be a message um, that may be of something I need to pay attention to. So music influences me on so many different levels. I mean, I love lyrics. I love a good beat. I'm always fascinated with the musicians and their stories. And there's always music playing in our house, always music playing. I think it really creates a, a beautiful spiritual tone, no matter what you're listening to. And can you kind of give an example of what sort of these musical oracles are? Yeah, and this sounds really kind of goofy to somebody who's, you know, not paying attention to weird little things like that. Uh, first of all, I grew up in a very intuitive family. And in our family, everything was a sign. My mother was very superstitious. She was very psychic. My grandmother was as well. And my other grandmother was super religious. And, you know, within that religion, there's also a little bit of like superstition about certain things as well. So I grew up in that kind of a household, which kind of acclimated me to paying attention to weird little signs. And what I found is sometimes, like, for example, I might be doing a reading with somebody and I'll get some random song lyrics in my head. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't know what this is about, but this might be a message for that person. And it's uncanny on how often when that happens, it does turn out to be something that is very you know, profound for the person that I'm reading for. But this also shows up in my life. Like there might be times where I'm like, going about my business and there'll be those random lyrics and I'll be like, why is that song stuck in my head? And then later on something will happen that really seems to relate to that song. It almost feels like, again, somewhat of an Oracle or an omen, if you'd like to call it that. And so I pay attention to everything. I pay attention to sounds around me. I pay attention to symbols from nature, random messages that show up in my world. I pay attention to everything. Why do you like to pay attention to everything? Does that have something to do with you being aspired to be a teacher all the time? 
paying attention means we live, we're living a mindful life. And most of us don't do that. Most of the time, people are asleep at the wheel. They're not paying attention to things that are happening, you know, in the world or in their world. And then one day they kind of wake up and they're like, well, how did I get here? How did I end up in this place in my life? And when you are mindful, when you are in the moment, when you are paying attention to your feelings, your emotives, other people around you, different signs, feelings, vibes, whatever you want to call it, you are more likely then to be making decisions that are going to support the future you want. Rather than just ending up with whatever, a random life, being present allows you to create mindfulness and a mindful conscious life is the best. Why do you think a mindful conscious life is the best? I don't want to be asleep at the wheel. I don't want to just wake up and say, well, what happened? How did my life happen to me? You know, I want to be present in everything I'm doing. I want to be present with the people I love. I want to be present for how I'm feeling at any given moment. I don't want to ignore my feelings. I don't want to tune out the world. I want to be utterly present because it really feels good to witness people in that moment. And it feels good also to be really deeply in tune with who I am and what's going on around me. And you mentioned being in tune with who you are. Mm -hmm. How does somebody get in tune with themselves? Well, it, it all begins again by paying attention. You know, again, uh, here, and this it sounds so simple, but it's actually not. Because we are conditioned, for example, that there's certain things we shouldn't be feeling or we should, you know, don't be thinking those thoughts or just forget about that. And I think it's really important to always be incredibly conscious. When you are, again, paying attention, when you're really witnessing how you're feeling, what's going on, you're going to be, again, more in tune with, well, what does this feel like for me? Does this feel good? Does this feel healthy? Am I getting triggered? Am I angry? Why? What's behind that? I think we should be questioning our, our thoughts and our feelings and our motives all the time. Because again, it's more likely then you will be acting right or right for you when you are really paying attention. It all comes back to attention. Oh, no, no, no. All comes back to attention. What types of experiences have you had with your clients? What are some of your best client success stories? I'm interested to know. Well, I stopped reading tarot now in the last year for the public uh, to concentrate more on my writing and teaching career. But there's a lot of stories of people who've gotten great help. Like I've done a lot of work with people who are grieving, who've lost a loved one. And by working with tarot and we're really processing their feelings, what they're going through, I've been able to give people who are grieving, for example, a safe place to talk about things that they may not be comfortable talking about with someone else. I mean, grief, for example, it's a very messy thing. And our culture that we live in, it doesn't really like grief. Grief is treated like this is a mess. We've got to clean it up. We've got to get over it as quickly as possible. And for someone who's suffered deep loss or trauma, having a safe place to work out those feelings and talk things out and to try to understand what happened, how am I going to move through this? Those have been my favorite, favorite experiences with clients. I love grief work. It's one of the things I really feel uh, strongly about. And I think like tarot and astrology and things like that, or just having somebody who is present and witnesses you and allows you the safety to talk about those feelings. That's when transformation begins. Tarot oftentimes, for example, when people come for a tarot reading, we open up a dialogue about what's going on and where we're headed. And that can help the client really start thinking about, okay, what have I been doing thus far? 
what do I really want? And what's driving me? And again, that's where we really began mapping out futures for ourselves that are more aligned with what's for our highest good. So a lot of the work that I do when I do readings and stuff, it's always been focused on a very proactive and conscious experience. This is what's happening. This is where you are. Let's talk about it. Let's find a better route for a healthier life and see if we can avoid some of the things that are causing you pain. Now, dealing with embracing grief now, how did you come about this information in your own life? Well, I grew up in a very large family. And I mean, this is going to sound very weird. There was always a lot of death around us from early on. And the most profound one that impacted me was when my grandmother died when I was nine years old. And, you know, I remember having all these feelings, but also watching my mother go through the grief around that, my father go through it. And I was very curious about how they were dealing with it and how I was dealing with it. So I was very curious about things like that from an early age because it was something that happened around me constantly. Uh, My mother came from a family of 13 children and my father came from a family of nine. So there were a lot of people. There were a lot of people passing on all the time. And so you suddenly, when grief is showing up on your doorstep, you know, at least once a year, you're going to think about that, especially when you're a child. You're going to think about that a lot. So grief showed up in my life at a very early age. And, you know, it's just kind of, uh, I shouldn't say ironic. It's kind of the luck of the draw. When you have such a large family, you're going to experience a lot of that. Now, did having this large family help cultivate that spiritual lifestyle in you? Was that sort of union kind of what you wanted when you began to become a reader? Well, my spiritual path with my family, I ended up going in a very different path for them. My family is very religious. You know, so I grew up a Catholic religion. You know, you go to church every Sunday, you do certain things. This is the way it is. These are the rules. And from a very young age, I was questioning those two. I questioned everything. I mean, that's really the thing. I just questioned everything. And I always thought that there was something about it that didn't really work for me. I didn't really relate to the rules. I didn't like the you know, the whole thing that you've got to go there, there's no explanations for why are we doing this ritual? What is this all about? Why do I have to do that? So I question it for a very young age, from a very young age. And then when I got older, and I started embracing things like astrology and tarot, and yoga, which is something that guides me very deeply, I found then that I was developing my own philosophy. Uh, I really respect different religions. I think it's important for people to have a spiritual practice that's right for them. And for some people, it may be that you go into a temple, you go into a church. But for me, it was never like that. I'm a free bird. I always like to say I'm nice to all the gods just in case. But my own blend of spirituality, it's more like, again, present moment, yoga, meditation. Those things I felt gave me a lot more answers and peace than sitting in a church. So my spiritual practices really developed over time by exploring all different tar- sorts of philosophies and spiritual pack, pra- spiritual practices until I found the thing that works for me. And how does yoga uniquely combine into spirituality for you? Well, here's the thing with yoga. Now, when I first came to yoga, I like to say I came into most things kind of by accident, just like testing things out and stumbling into them. I had a friend who was telling me about yoga because I had really bad breathing issues. And I mean, I've had all kinds of breathing issues from the time I've been a child. I actually had my tonsils taken out twice. They grew back, which is really weird and rare. So my whole like breathing thing was goofed up 
from the jump. And many years ago, a friend said, she, if you ever tried yoga, it might help you with your breathing. I'm like, yoga? Ah, yeah. I went into this little studio and I was the only student that showed up that day. And the lady says, okay, well, what's your problem? I said, well, I can't breathe. I've got tight hips. She goes, okay, here's what you're going to do. And she was putting me in all these weird positions and doing these breathing exercises. And I was thinking, what am I doing here? But after I was done with the meditation part and I walked out of that studio, I'm like, wow, I feel like a changed person. And I'm not just talking about how better my body felt. I was breathing better and I felt this big sense of calm within me that was unlike anything I've ever experienced. And I remember walking out of there feeling good. And I said, wow, maybe I had issues that I didn't know I had until I took this this yoga class. And so since that time, I've been a huge believer in yoga because what I find with yoga, you know, a lot of people in the West, we come into yoga because we want to get a yoga bud, get fit, whatever. And when you're doing yoga, sure, you're doing these little fitness routines or whatever, but ultimately it kind of tricks you. It tricks you into being in the moment. It comes back to that awareness. I mean, suddenly when you're doing a difficult pose, you can't think of anything about trying to hold that pose. And as you're doing that, all of your other BS, it goes away. You're there in the moment, you're holding the pose, you go into meditation, you calm down, and you don't even realize that you. the reason why you got calmed down is you're busy doing those poses, and you've got no time to think about BS. So I feel yoga is kind of like this weird gateway into meditation, and also into, you know, awareness, mindfulness, all that stuff. Yoga is great for that. I want to kind of jump back. What was your profession before you got into spirituality? And did that profession kind of motivate you to become a tarot reader? So my professions had nothing to do with tarot whatsoever. Uh, tarot was something I'd done since I was a teenager. And I had like a job in an office, which, by the way, I actually enjoyed the job in the office. And that I did that for about a year. And then I was kind of at this weird phase in my life where I was trying to figure out what do I want to do when I grow up? You know, I had ideas on what I wanted to do and it didn't pan out. And so I took a job bartending and I thought, I'll just do this for now and try to figure out what am I going to do with my life? And by the way, I was a lousy bartender because I wasn't a big drinker. I was terrible. And so the I worked at put me on the world's worst shift. There was like nobody showing up. And so one day I thought, well, I'll just bring in my tarot cards to have something to do, you know, because they were always a way where I could connect with people, make friends, and people always enjoyed it. Uh, I mean, if you pull out a tarot cards at a party, it's an instant friend maker. So I thought, okay, I'll bring it to work. And so I'd bring it to work. And suddenly what ended up happening is word spread. And my days then became the most popular days where it would be packed and I would be slinging drinks, tossing cards. And and I remember um, some of the people who would come in there would say, this is such a quick little session with you. And it's so noisy here. I would love love to have you do a full reading outside of this bar. I'll pay you. I'm like, really? And so I started thinking about, well, maybe I should do this as a business. And the thing that propelled me is the boss at the stupid bar told, told people behind my back, no one's ever going to pay for that. That'll fail. And I'm one of those people that don't do that. Don't tell me I'm going to fail. Do not put that negative energy on me. So what I did then is I quit my job and I started my business and those people from the bar got reading, started telling more people about it. And 30 years later, my business was still going. That is an amazing story right there. 
Commitment and resilience. And also not liking being told what to do. I don't like it when people, here's the one thing. I don't like it when people bring other people down. I don't like that. I always believe we should lift people up. We should inspire people. I don't care what your path of life is. I don't care how horrible things may be or what mistakes people have made. I'm not into shame. I'm not into blame. I'm not into bringing people down. I'm into encouraging people. If I see somebody who's struggling, the last thing I'm going to do is like say, well, you deserved it or good luck, buddy. You know, instead, I think it's really important for us to, as humans, encourage to lift people up, to inspire, to say, yes, you can do this. And I mean, I'm one of those people, someone tells me I can't do it. Well, I'm going to go do it anyways. But we shouldn't be telling people that. Nobody should be bringing someone down. I think that was what that guy did was kind of terrible. I'm glad he did it. It inspired me. But I mean, who does that? That's so negative. I just can't imagine trying to, you know, rip on someone's dream. It's just not cool. You know, they say when most people speak badly about others, they're actually talking to their reflection. So, again, you don't know what he was going through, you know, but you're here now. I'm and, here now. And now that you're here now, how did it feel when you first started to get into the business, when you turned this mm-hmm. bar work into actual outside work? How did that feel? Well, first of all, it was scary because I didn't know a lick of thing about business. It's really funny. Uh, back when I was a kid, my dad forced me to take these business classes in high school. I'm like, I don't want to take these classes. I'm not interested in that. I had a lot of other ideas. And he goes, no, you need to, you need to learn how to type and stuff. Well, dad turned out to be right. And uh, so when I first started my business, I was terrified because I thought, well, I don't know anything about business. What am I doing? You know, but I ended up figuring it out as I went along, learning some lessons the hard way. So I think at first it was terrifying, but then I discovered something. I discovered I don't like being told what to do. And therefore, which I mean, I already knew that, but therefore I'm better off being a business person rather than working for someone else. I'm way too independent. I love doing my own thing. I love running my own show, having my own rules, my own hours, my boundaries. And so what I really discovered is for me, running a business made sense. It fit my personality. And I actually learned also I have actually uh, pretty good business instincts. I have uncanny business instincts. How did you use these uncanny business instincts? Did they involve anything spiritual in a sense? I always have good timing. I also have good time. I pick up on trends. I'm able to like sense when it's time to make a change. I've pivoted very successfully in my career. Every pivot I've done has worked out for me. It's just this really innate sense of this feels good or this doesn't feel good. Like even when I got online, it was so funny. I resisted it. Like, nah, I'm not going to go online. I don't want to have a web presence. I don't want to put my picture out there. And, you know, this was in the early days of where a lot of people were getting online with businesses. I'm like, And then one day I remember just kind of getting up and I'm like, I'm going to put a website up. It was just like that. And I put the website up and started really figuring it out, learning how to do some coding, writing my blog and everything on that blossomed and grew. And it took my business uh, instead of having to deal with people face to face, which was always very difficult. It's very difficult to do face to face tarot because people can be rude. But suddenly I'm online and I'm working with people like over the phone, over the email, and I'm working with people all over the world. My business opened up. I wasn't dependent on local business, which was really life-changing for me. And here's the thing about local business. 
back when I used to see people only in person, I remember when 9-11 happened. And that was the time where I was not doing a whole lot of anything on the internet. But 9-11 happened. I used to only see people in person then. And all of a sudden, everybody canceled their their appointments for the next two weeks because they were terrified that, oh, my God, something bad is going to happen. I can't come in. I don't want to hear anything negative or I'm afraid or, you know, whatever. And so business came to a crawl for two weeks. And having an online business, it doesn't matter what's happening in the economy. Business is fine because online business was the way to go. And I just remember really being instinctive about that. Everything about business is like, I'm feeling something, I'm going with it, I'm going to do it, even if I don't know what the hell I'm doing, and I'll figure it out. You don't think that uh, all the tarot card reading may have helped with your clairvoyance and you would have you could have used that a bit? Yeah, well, here's the thing. I use astrology for business every single day, but I didn't initially. This is the thing about it. You don't think to use things like tarot and astrology for that. Most people, when they come to tarot readings... What they want to know about is their love life. Will I meet someone? Will I get married? Those types of things. And, you know, oftentimes a lot of your readings tend to be focused on that, especially when you're first starting out, I think. And so I didn't think to put it with business. I would ask some questions early on in my career, but I didn't think about it. And I remember one day saying, hmm, I wonder if I start using this astrology stuff and paying attention to it for business decisions. And so, you know, I started doing that. And it was really weird. Because suddenly there were less problems. I could spot opportunities. I knew when to expand, when to build, what to focus on. Like the last couple of years, I've had a bunch of things happening in my third house. So I knew when that came up, it was time to write. And so in the last, since 2016, I've pumped out eight books, which is insane. But I knew astrologically I was supported to do that. So you just pay attention to stuff like that. It's like, oh, yeah, this is what I'm going to do now. I'm going to focus on writing, you know, so that's, that's how I use the astrology thing. But the intuition often with business, a lot of things were just like, I'm getting a feeling, I'm getting a feeling, I'm going to do this. Now, that strong sense of intuition, you've developed it over the years doing a lot of different things. Now, specifically, let's dive into the tarot card reading. How did you start to get the hang of that? How did you start developing those skills? And do you think how would you compare yourself to the average tarot card reader? Well, you know, when I first got into tarot, this is way before the internet. Internet didn't even exist. This is when MTV first came out. <laughs> and I um, I was a very curious teenager, like most teenagers. And I had a friend whose mother was really into astrology. So she introduced me to astrology. And I got fascinated. I'm like, oh, my God, this is answering all these questions. And it was on one of those really weird times when we went to the mall, which was very rare back then. And I went to the metaphysical section, and that's when I saw a tarot deck. And I, I saw those in the movies. I think a lot of us have seen it, you know, like horror movies or whatnot, or James Bond. So I took the deck home on a complete whim. And I remember laying them out. I'm like, ooh, what does this mean? What are these images? Wow, look at this figure. And I was just completely fascinated with it. And so that's really what began. I, I got really passionate about what are these images? How do they go together? And back then, and all decks still come with the little white book. So I remember like looking in that little book, trying to like put them together, figure it out. I would do readings on myself and I would do readings on anybody who would allow me to, which back then people were kind of like, eh, you know, cause I had more of a stigma. It's become more popular now thanks to the internet, but there was a little bit more of a stigma around it back then. 
but I didn't care. I still, I was just into it. I'm like, this is so cool. And so that was over 40 years ago. And I've had a tarot deck in my hands ever since then. And the way to get good at tarot is you've got to study. You have to study, you have to read all the books, and you've got to read with as many people as possible from all different walks of life for all different types of situations. And I was a high volume reader when I was reading for the public. I read a lot. So I think what sets me apart from some readers is the sheer volume of work I've done. And some of the situations that I've worked with have been very unique. I've done a lot of work with people who run businesses. I'm very good at that. You know, and I think what sets me apart, I don't know if what sets me apart, I'm very honest with what I see. I'm not somebody who's going to like tell you what you want to hear. Uh, I'm going to look at the way though. I'm going to, I'm very proactive. I don't look at like, this is just your future. You're doomed. It's like, nope, here's what we see. Here's how to work this out. This is what you want to max out. This is what you want to lean into. This is what you want to avoid. I mean, I'll give you an example of avoiding things. I had a woman many years ago, she got a reading from me and I'm like, I see you having a lot of car trouble here. You need to take better care of your car. She goes, I got a brand new car. She goes, that, no, I got a brand new car. Nothing's going to happen. You're totally wrong. I said, well, I can't be wrong. I'm okay with being wrong. I said, but you need to be careful in your car. So I ended up seeing her two weeks later. And she goes, well, you were right about that car. I said, well, what happened? She says, I got in a drunk driving accident and totaled it. So we didn't see how this car trouble was going to pan out. I just see car trouble. I'm like, you need to be careful. You need to be careful with this car. Take care of it. Take care of this car. And that's a situation that probably could have been completely avoided because she got the warning, but she didn't listen. She thought I was stupid and went out there and, well, that was that. Why are you always so proactive about that? You sort of, you say people aren't doomed and you give them solutions. Why are you always so adamant about showing a different route? And I agree with you on that. Well, you know, I'm one, I've always been just a very practical person with a lot of common sense, even though I'm intuitive. I have a lot of common sense. And I'm also somebody that doesn't like to look at life like, like it just happens to you. And you have no agency. I don't believe that. And I have always found for myself, I had a lot of strikes against me when I was young. Um, you know, including people like that stupid boss who didn't believe in me. And if I would go along with all those things that I was told all those years, my life would have been completely different. And I'm just one of those people who's like, no, 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 no. We're going to find a way. We're going to make this happen. You know, I'm, I'm just real. I've always been a very determined person. I have a lot of common sense. And I think no matter what your situation is, even if it's the most horrible situation, we're going to find a way. And, or maybe at least we're going to find the help you need so you can pull yourself out of it. You know, so that's, I mean, that's just really what it is. I did not like being told all the things I was told when I was younger, like, oh, you can't make it doing this. You shouldn't do that. You're a woman. You can't do that. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, nah, I'm going to do what I want to do. And I'm going to do what I want to do. And I'm going to do what's right for me. Even if that means I have to take a million detours to do it, I'm going to do it. I don't like being passive in life. If I was passive in life, I don't know where I'd be right now. I'd probably be a very unhappy person if I didn't take and manage my happiness. So that's, yeah, I, uh, not for me. So let me get more into this. How does one build determination through tarot card reading? Well, I think the way, first of all, I think we have to, we have to assess where you are and how you're made up. Some people are like me, very determined, very proactive. I'm very stubborn. At least that's what my husband would say. You know, so there are people like me who have that naturally in our makeup. 
But if that's not in your makeup, if you are somebody that maybe you're a little more timid or maybe you're afraid of making someone mad or, you know, making the wrong move or you're a perfectionist, what we can do in a tarot reading is we can like lay out those cards. We can look at the possibilities and the problems. And we can also look at ways for you to get there that are based on what is going to feel right for you and what is going to help you to do it in the most healthy way. Because somebody who is more timid, my way of living life might not be for them. They might think, oh my God, you're, you take too many risks. You're, you're really bold. You're super stubborn. I'm not like that. I don't want to make anyone mad. And so we have to take that into account and we'll say, okay, my way isn't for you, but here's a way that might be helpful for you. And so for people who do feel like they don't have control over their life, what ends up happening then is they start to see that there's decisions they can make in a way that's right for them that can move them towards the life they want. You may not end up being stubborn and proactive like me, but maybe you might start making some different decisions, or maybe you might start changing the way you're viewing a situation and find the positive in the negative. So I think that tarot and astrology or any spiritual practices for that matter can help people find, again, their agency, find their ability to make choices, or at the very least, we can figure out a way to get you help. Because also there are times, we and we have to face this, there are times in life where situations are not that simple as you making a choice. You might be maybe in a bad marriage, or maybe you don't have any money. And so then the role of a good reader isn't to weave some fairy tale, but to really think about this person's situation and what is also going to make sense for that situation. Because you can't always just do a a vision board and think you're going to wish your way out of a situation. Sometimes we need help. We need therapy or we need like financial aid. We need someone to lift our hands up. So also a reader has to be able to look at situations like that too. And this is why, again, I'm very practical. I'm not going to weave a fake fairy tale. It's going to be like, okay, well, now this situation is very difficult. Maybe you don't have choices right now, but here's where you can get some help. Let's look at ways again to get you healthy. So that's how I tend to approach all of that. And when we're looking at these different ways to get people healthy, what are some of the best success stories you've had? What are some tarot card reading sessions mm. that transform someone, that kind of built that fire and that stubbornness in them to really pursue their goals in life? Well, I've got a story. It actually starts out on a very unhappy note. So I had a client who was a drug dealer. And I don't, listen, I don't care what someone does for a living. It's not my business to judge that. I don't care. It's not my business. My business, though, is to look at what are these cards telling you? Is this good? Is this not? What do you need to do? Not what you need to do to be the best drug dealer, but what you need to do to obviously make some better choices. And anyhow, the main time she would come in is she only would come in for a read to see if she was going to get busted. I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to judge that. And I remember one time, we, uh, she also say, I come in here to get yelled at about my choices in men. <laughs> she made terrible choices in men. And I was always saying, you've got to do better. You're so smart. You're so beautiful. I mean, here's what I see. And this is what you can expect. And maybe this is a better choice. But she still wanted to make her bad choices. And that wasn't my business. It's not for me to judge that. But I remember one time she came in, got a reading, and these cards were not good. And I said, listen, I'm seeing jail time here for you. I think your neighbors are suspicious of you. You need to get out of this drug business. You need to get legit. You need to find something else to do. And she was just sitting there. She's like, I'm like, well, again, I can be wrong. I'm okay with that. And so she left. And I'm like, whatever. 
she was making good money. I can understand why she wanted to do it. I get that. And also one day I get a phone call and it's from the local jail. And normally I never answer those calls. And I thought, well, what the hell? I'm going to pick it up. I'm like, hello. And it's her. And she goes, yeah. So uh, I got busted. It turns out my neighbor is a cop. And I'm like, oh, my God, I told you. I warned you. She goes, I know, I know. She goes, can you do a reading for me right now? And I said, I'm not doing a reading for you right now. You need to go learn a lesson now because you're never listening to me. You never listen. I'm trying to help you. So you go do your time, and I'll talk to you when you get out. And then I hung up the phone. I was actually really mad at her because she had been a client for years and just made, again, it didn't matter how the cards were helping her. She still wanted to make these not good decisions. So anyhow... She ended up, she did her time. She went to school, got her degree. She connected with a wonderful person who loved her and her children. She got married. She got it together. When I saw her, I mean, the next time I saw her, she was doing so good. And, you know, she told me the readings had been helpful to her, but what really had to straighten her out, she actually, it's kind of like she needed to go through this really hard time. And maybe in a weird way, me trying to prevent it wasn't what she needed. But... I mean, she's like, you were, you were really right, but I, get, I needed to learn the hard way. And she's doing great. She's still doing fabulous. She's doing so good. And so that was somebody that I, I really loved helping. I got very angry at her, but she did turn it around. She's doing quite good. And how did you personally turn your life around with tarot card reading? Well, you know, when I was younger, I made plenty of dumb decisions, too. Because when you're young, you're impulsive, you want to have fun, you want to have a good time. So I made plenty of my own dumb decisions. Um, and, you know, by the time I started doing tarot for a living, I was done making dumb decisions. I started making, again, more conscious about everything. And so I would say for me, doing tarot and astrology and applying it to my own life, I started again paying attention. Why are you making that decision? Why? This looks a lot better. Why don't you try that instead? And when I started working with the energy, life just got progressively better. And again, a lot of times when you're paying attention to things like, I'll use astrology for an example. When you understand how it works, you can start again, leaning into the energy or working with it. So there's a planet Saturn. Everybody hates Saturn except me because Saturn is the planet that wants you to be disciplined. It wants you to get to work. And you know, I'm one of those people, again, I'm disciplined, I like to work, so Saturn and I get along really well. But it is a hard taskmaster. And wherever it is moving through your chart shows you where you need to do work. And I had astrologer friend a couple of years ago, look at my chart and like, oh, Saturn's in your second house. It means you're going to be broke. I'm like, nah, listen, I'm not listening to you. I said, Saturn likes structure. So I said, I'm going to set a goal. My goal is to pay off my mortgage early. And so now I'm going to create a structure because Saturn loves structure to do that. And so I pretty much dared this person. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I created a structure, created a budget, set my goal. I clipped every coupon. I like managed my money down to the nickel. And I paid off my mortgage 14 years early because I saw the energy was there for creating a structure. Was I broke? No, I was living in a tight budget though. So technically I was broke because I was budgeting down to the penny. But I leaned into it. I worked with it. I set a goal. Saturn loves goals. And boom, paid off the mortgage early. That's how you work with astrology. That's how you work with this stuff. You don't look at it like, oh, I'm doomed. It's like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. We're not. Uh, get that out of my head. This is what I'm going to do with it. And so that's how I tend to approach stuff like that. And I noticed you do tarot card reading, which you also talk a lot about. 
the character. You sort of act in a sense, which is kind of funny. You're a bit of a, a life coach and a tarot card reader at the same time, because most tarot card readers, they'll just read your future and go, okay, that's it. Mm-hmm. But you will implement your own knowledge mm-hmm. at the same time. You think that actually gave you an advantage business-wise? It might have. I, I understand the whole idea of like just reading the future and say, well, here's your future, you're doomed, or you're great, or you're going to get this this tall, dark stranger, whatever. I get that. And I can see how that can be entertaining and it can give people guidance. But I really deeply care I deeply care about people making it. I deeply care about people having their best lives. I don't want to just say, well, this is it. I want to say, okay, well, here's what we see. Let's make this better. And I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, growing up really poor, really having to struggle and knowing what it feels like to go through those scary times in life. I have deep empathy for people who are struggling, who are grieving, who are broke, who don't know how to get past a terrible relationship. I have the empathy. I want to help people. And I want people showing up and again, living their best lives. I don't want them to feel like they don't have an option. I want to show them there are options. There's help available. You can do this. You've got this. And I think if everybody had one person in their life that believed in them, that believed in them and encouraged them, I think everybody can do better. So I, you know, in a way, I am a little bit like a life coach. I'm a little bit like a cheerleader, but I just don't like to see people fail or fall down or to feel that they're screwed. I don't like to see anyone go through that. I don't want to see anybody down. I don't like to see people get kicked when they're down. I want people to know you've got this. I'm your champion. I'm here for you. I believe in you. Let's get your best life happening. Let's find the best in the situation. Let's be the best version of you in the situation. And again, I just think if everybody had one person cheering them on, I mean, we all feel better. Don't you feel better when you know someone's got your back? When they care? Yeah. When they care about your life and they want you to make it. Why would you want to go to a tarot reader or astrologer who makes you feel like garbage? I've been to a few of those. I've been to some terrible, terrible, irresponsible tarot readers and astrologers and they do a lot of damage because people are vulnerable oftentimes when they come to a reading they are going through a struggle they don't come to a reading just because hey life is great i want to confirm that they're trying to get answers and so if you are with a reader who's not responsible who doesn't think about what they're delivering and how they're delivering it it can actually do a lot of damage and all of these different readers how does one find the perfect reader for themselves. Who is a reader that you would want to work on you? Well, that is a great question. Well, here's here's my thoughts on that. First of all, thank God for the internet. I'm going to just say this. I know a lot of people think the internet, well, the internet gives you an opportunity to vet people because most modern tarot readers now, they have a website, they have a social media presence. And you can go to the website, you can go on their social media, you can get kind of a feel on how they work what their personalities are like and see if that meshes with you. And that's the first thing you need to do. You need to research people thoroughly. And that also means understanding what kind of readings they do. Like for example, someone specializes in love readings and that's what you're looking for. Great. If that's not what you want, then you're going to go see something else. So be clear on what kind of a reader you want, be clear on what feels good for your personality and then start doing some research. You can also ask other people about their experiences, but that's kind of like, a mixed bag. 
because I've had people tell me this reader's good and it didn't work for me, not because the reader was bad. It's just because it didn't work for me. The personalities didn't mesh. That was again before the internet. Uh, you couldn't, you couldn't vet people back then like you can now. Word of mouth can be helpful, but the best thing you can do is research. And also I recommend if there's a new person you want to work with, get a short reading like a short sample reading. And that way, if you like their style, well, now you now you feel like, okay, maybe I can invest in a much deeper reading. And two, there's a couple of readers that I really love. I don't usually give referrals out because again, my opinion is my opinion. It might not work for you, but I've had remarkable and a remarkable astrology reading with Sam Reynolds. I love Sam Reynolds because he's, he's kind of like me. It's just practical, no BS. And that's the kind of reading I want. And so that is going to be a reader that works well for me. Another reader I've had great luck with is Mecca Woods. Again, no nonsense, very practical. There are other readers who might who might be more woo-woo, more flowery, and I respect that. But for my personality, that's not going to work. And if you're somebody who wants something that's more like softer or gentler, or maybe you want somebody who speaks in metaphors or poetry, listen, there's a reader for everybody. Go on the internet, search. Find what makes sense for your personality and what you want to focus on. And that's how you're going to get a good reading. Very good answer. Now, this is a personal question for me, but one of them is, how do psychics actually find the tools that they use? Because I see psychics using so many different things mm-hmm. these days. They use cards. They'll throw things on the ground. Yes. They'll look into crystals or glasses. And sometimes they won't even use anything. So. Mm-hmm or they'll talk to spirits. So are these all producing the same result, but are different styles? What do you think? I I think that's, that's exactly what it is. I mean, it's just different methods of getting there. It's kind of like, you know, when you think about even like religion, we're all praying to somebody at the end of the day, I don't know if it's the same person or not, but you know, we're all doing it. We're going to pray. We're going to meditate. We're trying to connect with the divine. And there's many different ways to get to the divine whether it's church, whether it's prayer, whether it's yoga, whether it's meditation. And it's the same when we're trying to access information and guidance. There are many different ways to get that. It might come from astrology. It might come from rune stones. You might find tarot works for you. Maybe you don't like tarot. Maybe getting a crystal ball or just being out in nature is how you connect to something that gives you guidance. So I think whether you are trying to connect to something greater than yourself or your own inner guidance, there's many ways to get to both. And no way is the wrong way. It's just your way. It's just your way. And you have to like experiment and feel it out until you find something that works for you. I mean, for example, there's this readings called Lenormand readings. I don't even pronounce it right. I have no luck with those cards. Forget it. I don't even touch them. Every reading I get from those cards is always negative. It's never accurate. It's all like super doom and gloom. And I'm like, this is not for my personality. This doesn't work. So I leave them alone. Now, there are readers who have great success with it. It doesn't work for me. Tarot works for me. Astrology works for me. Yoga helps me to connect to the thing, the greater stuff above me. So these are my tools. This is what works for me. And you just got to experiment until you find something that feels like it's, you know, kind of your groove. When you're the tarot lady. Yep. And tarot's my thing. How'd you get that name? Oh, it's actually kind of funny. People, when they used to come to see me in person, Back in the day, they'd say, oh, my God, I have to come and see my tarot lady. So, I mean, it was just so, that's what I was always called, like, the tarot lady by clients, you know. So that was just it. And so when I put up the website, I'm like, yeah, since that's what everyone calls me, I'll take that name. And it turned out to be pretty good branding, and no one else had the name. So 
it worked out. But that was just what people called me. So no excitement behind the name. Sounds like some excitement. I could feel it. But yeah, when you got into all this reading, what do you think is the next stage? Do you ever look into the future? Like, what do you expect in the future as you continue doing this? Because I looked on your website. You have a very nice website. So thank you. I can see you've been doing this for a while. Yeah, it's, it's been a long time. Uh, right now, books and teaching are my big passion. I, like I said, I wrote eight books in the last, since 2016, I've been like a, a machine and I love to teach. And one of my goals is to pass on this wisdom to the next generation of readers. I want to make sure that there are readers out there who are responsible, who understand how to work with tarot, who understand how to work with astrology. And also for people who even don't want to do it for a living. I love taking this information and breaking it down and sharing it with people. Because I think a lot of times when people see things like tarot or astrology, they feel intimidated. It's mystical. It's a completely different language. And so they give up on it. And one of my passions is is like to say again, no, 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 I've got you. You're going to learn this. You just need a teacher who's patient and breaks it down for you in a way that you can understand. That's all you need. So that's the big thing that I want to focus on. And I think that's where I'm going to be going for a long time. I don't know if I'm going to go back to doing readings again, at least not now. I'm not seeing that. But I want to focus on the teaching and writing and creating this body of work, a legacy of work, uh, of classes and books to leave behind. So that way, once I'm gone, there's something there to help people. Because let me tell you, back in the day when I was learning, I didn't have access to hardly anything. It was hard. To learn this stuff, you had to really want it. You did not have access to teachers. I was in a rural area. There was nothing. I just happened to stumble on that deck and had the good fortune of having a friend whose mother was into astrology. It was hard. And I don't want people to feel like this is hard. I want them to feel like there's access. You can do this. It will help you. And here's how. So that's the next part of where I see my career going. I mean, who knows? Maybe I'll go into publishing. I don't know. We'll see. I'm open. What do you think about publishing? Why well, are those a, years turning? Because I, I always say in a past life, I was a talent scout. I'm just really naturally good at spotting talent. And in fact, I was really good when I was younger at spotting musical talent. That's why, again, I love music. I remember years ago, I saw Nirvana on TV. And I was at a bar and someone says, oh, they suck. I said, they're going to be the next big thing. They're going to be huge. They're like, you can't even understand what they're saying. I said, nah, you don't get it. They're going to be huge. You know, so I've had those experiences always like with music. So I'm very good at spotting talent and I'm good at spotting talented tarot readers, good astrologers. I always seem to have like a beat on that and trends. And I would love to one day either work for a publishing house to scout people or start my own. Because there are some really talented people out there who are not getting the books and they should be getting the books and the platforms. Why were you so interested in finding your past life? Past lives are interesting. I mean, past lives, I'm one of those people, I'm not like totally into it because I also can't prove it. I mean, how am I going to prove it? But I'm, I am interested in to some degree. I want to get an idea of, you know, what am I bringing in from the ancestors? What am I bringing in from past lives? And how can I use that in this lifetime? You know, what's really interesting, I had a reading one time many, many years ago. And it was by an astrologer. He did past lives. And he, he looked at me and goes, are you afraid of water? I'm like, yes, I'm terrified of water. He says, can you swim? I said, Mm-mm. He says, do you sink like a, do you sink when you go in the water? I said, yes, I sink. I can't even float. 
He said in a past life, you were living in an area where people thought you were a witch. So they put a big stone in your back. They tied you to the stone and they put you in a lake. And they said that if she floats, then that means she's a witch. If she doesn't float, she's not a witch. And he said, and of course you died because you weren't a witch. So in this, so it, I mean, I don't know if this is true or what, but I remember getting that reading and I was like, oh my God, because it's true. If I go in the water, I don't float. I sink like a stone. So when he said that, it blew me away. Totally blew me away. So there might be some truth to it. Who knows? I'm open-minded. How did you feel after you heard that story? Did you feel a sense of confidence? Like, how, what were the emotions going through you there? Well, I just was. I just thought it was weird that he picked up on that. It was so weird and random that I think I was just like kind of shocked. Would be the best way to describe it. And I said, "Well, well, it certainly explains why I failed every swimming lesson I've ever taken. I don't swim. I do not go in water. I water and I are not friends." I don't even like taking a bath. I prefer shower because I feel like God, there's more control. So I just, I just remember just feeling kind of surprised because it was so weird and random, but it was so right on. Just so, I mean, it's one of the weird things. I mean, someone who can't float, everybody can float. Why can't I float? We were never able to explain that. My swimming teacher says, I don't know, maybe you don't have enough fat on your body. So I got plenty of fat on my body. Something's wrong here. I can't float. I almost drowned once too. I thought I was going to die. So I respect water. Now, taking all this information now, do you think it's important for other people to find out what their past life is? Why not? You know, I think I'm a very open-minded person. I'll try. I, I open myself up to a lot of different experiences because otherwise I don't know. I'm not going to know. It's same like when you have conversations with people. If you walk in thinking, yeah, I don't believe in any of this or that, or like, for example, I'm not a fan of football. But if I walk into something and someone wants to talk about it, and I'm going to be closed-minded because I don't like it or I don't know anything about it, well, I'm going to miss out on learning something. So I like to go into every situation with an open mind. And I think, you know what, why not try it? Maybe you'll think it's great. Maybe it'll answer questions. Maybe you'll think it's stupid. But you won't know unless you try. It, it might actually have some nuggets of wisdom for you. And with all these different readings that you've had, what were some of the significant improvements you've had as a human being while doing all these readings? How did reading other people's lives affect your own? Because we've talked about your impact on everything, but what did tarot card reading and doing these readings for people do for you? It made me more compassionate. It made me way more compassionate because when you are dealing day in and day out with people's struggles and problems, you know, I, I think maybe you could become hard if you're a mean person. It really made me more compassionate. I've seen people go through some tremendously hard times, deal with some tremendous losses. And when you are dealing with that day in and day out, you develop a lot of compassion. People struggle, people suffer. And sometimes, again, they need a safe place to come and talk about it. And so I think the biggest thing that came out of it was compassion to learn that, wow, you might think this person looks like they totally have it together and you don't even know how much they're struggling. So that's the big thing I got out of it. And I think, you know, compassion is something we all need. It makes you a better person, have empathy and compassion. And if you read for tarot, if you read tarot long enough for the public, you are going to develop compassion because you're going to hear some stories and that's going to open you up. It's going to open your heart up. It's going to make you a more loving, caring person. Why do you value being such a loving and caring person? It's the most important thing. 
if you don't care about other people, if you don't open your heart to love, you're only living your life half full. I mean, love is the biggest thing. Love is the law. Love is the most important thing. Loving others, caring about others, caring about the planet. You know, all of that. This is so important. I couldn't imagine going through life not loving, not caring, not taking the risk with my heart to open up to other people. You know, I think love is the answer. Love is the answer to everything. Why wouldn't you want to feel that? As we wrap up here, can you kind of get into what are some of the specific services? What are sort of the things you do in your business? And why did you make these services? Sure. Well, you know, I used to read for people, and I don't do that anymore. That I stopped doing. I do have a little subscription service called the AstroBiz Digest, and that is like an astrology forecast for your business. And I created that because I use astrology all the time for business. It actually does work. It's uncanny. And the other thing is I wrote a lot of books. And I have, like, for example, the Tarot Coloring Book, which is a fun way to learn tarot. I have the Astrology for Real Life, which is a really non-intimidating way for people to get into astrology. Tarot No Questions Asked is my latest book. And that is a, it is the manual to learn how to be a more intuitive reader. Uh, Tarot for Kids is for children to introduce them to tarot in a really kid-friendly way. Uh, you know, so all of those, those are the things that I've created uh, that I've worked on making. And I also have a Patreon account. And over on Patreon is where I teach. And that is the only way to access my teaching. Occasionally, I do one-off classes for different places, too. But that's where I do a lot of my teaching. That's where I teach astrology, tarot, and other things like that. So those are the things I do. And again, ultimately, what it all comes down to is teaching, giving people information, sharing information. And I'm a Gemini. That's what Geminis do. I'm here to share information and to help people and to teach people and to give them the tools. I like to say um, for many years, I helped people catch fish, but now I'm focusing on teaching them how to fish so they can do it themselves. We talk about certain things like that. Why were you intrinsically such a teacher? You think your past life had anything to do with wanting to teach others? I don't know. It might be that. Or it might be that I was always a really good student. And, you know, when I was in school, I would be assigned to help the other students learn. Uh, there was a time I worked with the special needs kids when I was in eighth grade. So I was uh, with them, teaching them. So I kind of kind of just got thrown into those roles. I, I even taught CCD uh, Catholic education when I was in high school, when I was still going to church, you know. So I just, the priest said, I want you to teach. And I said, okay, I'll teach. So it just kind of always happened that I ended up in these teaching roles. So it was just very natural. I used to do math tutoring, too, because I actually am weirdly, oddly good at math. And so I, would, I used to do math tutoring, and I tutored plenty of math students back in the day, too. So there were different types of, of situations where I just kind of fell into it. I have no idea why. I mean, if we look at my astrology chart, it's all Mercury. It's Gemini, 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 uh, Virgo, Virgo, Virgo. And that is all about sharing information and teaching. So why was a tarot card reader so fascinated with mathematics? Well, actually, there's math in astrology. Mm. Uh, tarot's got some math into it, too. But it's funny, when I took a... <laughs> uh, many years ago in high school, I was in a geometry class. It's the only math class that I had trouble with, ever. I couldn't wrap my head around it. I don't know what was wrong with me. And I told the teacher, I stopped doing my homework and everything. And the teacher says, I should flunk you, but I'm not going to. And I said, I'm never going to use this stuff anyways. He goes, yes, you will. And the next year is when I started studying astrology. It's nothing but geometry. So I got good at geometry really fast. And I remember uh, years later, I, had to, I looked up the teacher and I sent him an email saying, hey, you know, you probably don't remember me. 
But uh, I said, I would never use it. And I use it every day. And he said, I told you, you know, I'm glad applied astrology is out there. Or I'm glad applied geometry is being used out there somewhere. So I had a good laugh about that. And so that's where the math thing comes in. I just was naturally good at it, except geometry. But when I got serious with astrology, I had to get serious with geometry. Now I do it in my head. Oh, this is kind of the close off to the interview here. Are there any final words, any final statements you like to make to the audience? I would like to say that no matter where you are in your life right now, it's never too late to turn it around and to find the life that you love and the life you want. It's never, ever too late. That, I think, is something people need to hear. One of the statements we say in the, on my website, the cards tell a story, but you write the ending. And I always want people to remember that you are writing your future every minute, and you can turn it around at any time. All right. I'm Jimbo Paris, and this is the Jimbo Paris Show. Thank you for listening, everyone. Thanks again, Teresa. Thank you for having me, Jimbo. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Jimbo Paris Show. 